right, everyone, so before we begin, we're going to have some quick content warnings. The first thing is, is that we're going to be talking about a couple series that are not Degrassi. So if you do not want any spoilers from Euphoria, specifically season one to episode two, episode one, uh, Ted Lasso or Riverdale, you may want to sit this one out. Also, in terms of the other content warnings, we are going to be talking a bit about racism. We're going to be talking about teen sexuality, sexual assault, and we're also just going to straight up talk about penises because of euphoria. So also, again, if you need to sit this one out, totally understandable, and we'll see you next week. Welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. And today we have a news break. Uh, there's a new Degrassi show coming to HBO Max. Yeah, so probably quite a few of you know this news already. Uh, we took a bit of a break from recording, so we're finally sitting down and being able to like unpack all of it. And we wanted to kind of spend today while we're coming back into the swing of things of recording, talking about what this news means, how, like, what are our hopes, what are our fears, what are our, uh, kind of, like, what can we kind of glean from the initial announcement and who is going to be involved in the project, along with how is this going to fit both with, like, our podcast, but also with, like, how is this going to fit in the current scope of teen drama and teen media? Well, I mean, to be fair, we don't probably have to worry about, like, do the where this is going to lie in the podcast for another, oh, probably eight years. Well, here's the thing. We had a meeting. We had a meeting. Yes. Remember? Yes. Okay, and now we, I remember the meeting. Yes, yes. Now, we had, we, so we didn't record last week, but we had a meeting. We had a state of the podcast meeting. Uh, and when we were talking about initially, so for those of you who don't know, um, this is a series that's apparently being, uh, being worked on through HBO Max and will be coming out in 2023. Now, obviously, this could change, right? We're, we're, we're talking within a COVID era, so we don't fully know, like, if things are going to get delayed and things like that. But as of right now, we're looking at it's going to start filming in the summer, so summer 2022, and it'll be coming out in 2023. Cool. Awesome. We'll talk more about the format and all that stuff soon. We are looking at it as a podcast. We're going to hope, our goal, at least as of the meeting last week, and that could change, um, that we are going to actively watch it. We'll pause where we're at on the podcast, depending on where we're at in terms of next generation, and we will change gears for the run of the series or however it's going to be released. Um, and we will take a look at that new stuff so that we can you know, get a feel for what this current scope of Degrassi is, because yes, we're having fun looking at these older episodes, but a lot of the time when we speculate about the show, we think about it in the lens of the of 2022 or whatever year we're recording it, because this is a podcast that's a couple years old at this point. Um, and I'm very curious to see, like, what we're going to think about it um, in this contemporary time, because I think, and we'll talk more about this, like, how how will Degrassi fit in this current scope? I don't know. 
So my thought. So my thing is, if this was the CW, I'd be terrified. Right. Because like you know, um, before we started, we were saying like you know, and like how does Degrassi fit into the CW era and like. You know, HBX, HBO Max is its own animal, but yep. we have seen Degrassi in CW era, We've, but it was on Netflix. Yes. With uh, Next Class, or... Yes, yes. So, before we even get into a lot of these technicalities, let's talk about what we know right now. So, we know that it's going to be, it's done through HBO Max. Um, we know that there are two showrunners, their names are Laura Azopardi and Julia Cohen. Um, their writing credits include Riverdale and The Bold Type in a lot of the press releases. Um, I have not watched Riverdale. I have watched The Bold Type. I have watched Riverdale. Yeah, so it's interesting because... Um, so... Um, they're going to be going for... We'll, we'll t- I'll unpack those two as figures for uh, in a second, but I wanted to point out in the, in the announcements... They're talking about how they want it to be very character-driven. Uh, they want it to really focus on the teens and the faculty. Okay. Um, and they are hoping to have the themes be about hope, redemption, and love, which I really like. That's the type of stuff I really enjoy. Um, and it's going to be a serialized one-hour drama, which is obviously going to be significantly longer than the episodes that we are looking at right now uh, i was in for some well to be fair again a lot of degrassi episodes are two-parters right exactly exactly so is it does it really hurt anything that they're like now just bringing them together i don't think so i i'm actually excited by it being one hour i and maybe this is unpopular i don't know i i tend to prefer a lot of series that are from that very cable slash streaming service mindset of episodes being 45 minutes to an hour long. I I personally prefer that. Um, I don't mind having a series essentially be like an 18-hour movie. Like, I really have no problem with that. Um, so, and I think a lot of the things, so like if we're looking at like the bold type, because again, that's that's my frame of reference for this writing, this uh, writing and creator team um that's a show that i think was very helpful for it being as long as it is because i think it's like a 45 minute episode because it was on um freeform um and i think it really helped it because in the case of the bold type for those uh, we've talked a little bit about it on the show i've like i've i think i've mentioned it in the past it has three main characters and each character has a plot line i feel like that makes sense for that type of writing background to want to have Degrassi be these one hour long episodes because we're presumably working with the ensemble format that Degrassi's always known for. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited for that. I'm excited for the themes. It's still going to take place in, in the same region. Like they're not changing the location at all. So it's still going to be the greater Toronto area. Um, I'm curious how they're going to approach it in the sense of, are they going to make it more, because, like, a lot of Degrassi, it, it, it's clearly Canadian. It's clearly, like, they reference the fact that it is Canadian, but 
I feel like there's a difference between like a series that like is pretty aware of its surroundings and discussing it and like actually being immersed in it. Yeah. I'm curious if they're going to try and immerse it more. I don't know if they will. Because I think there's series that do different approaches with that type of stuff, but I'm curious how they're going to play with the setting or if they're going to keep it kind of similar. I mean, honestly, I, from what I've seen, a lot of our, the more the more famous, like, you know, um, well, like so like Ted Lasso and Letterkenny, they're both distinctly from like those regions right you know um i think that does i think for you know the the layman like say me like that does breed more curiosity of like i don't understand like soccer or canadian farmer culture like i kind of want to watch this just because like it's something i don't know right um and you know like I don't know, like, when it comes to, like, you know, the, the region, um, I lost my trip. No, it's, it's, I am curious about it, because I think, I think something that, and, and this is also because, as we've learned, the greater Toronto area is massive, right? Like, if we want to be realistic here, Degrassi is playing with a very large region. But I think something that I always felt, at least as a kid who lived within 20 minutes of New York City, I feel like there's a real interplay between, like, the main part of the city and then the kids in the suburbs. And there's, like, an interplay there or, like, wanting to go there and travel there. And there's a little bit of that in Degrassi. Like, it's not that it doesn't exist. But it would be interesting to see it more connected within its setting beyond the fact that, like, yes, we're in Canada and, yes, we go to school in this very specific school oh yeah now i remember what i'm gonna say yeah my um my big wonder is if they're going how well they're going to connect it to the past right right because it's like a lot of actors that worked on the show had various feelings about this um and like various reactions about about it happening and yeah i'm curious about its continuity myself because I think there's pros and cons to both approaches. I think that if you, like, it's hard because you could argue, and it's true, Degrassi High and Degrassi Next Gen had that connection of Emma. Mm. And that was a way to kind of ground yourself in it. But I guess then the question becomes, like, for me, and again, this is only my opinion. This is, other people may feel differently about it. I feel like unless it's a kid, I'm just going to feel sad if I see certain characters. In the sense of, like, what are they up to? Like, please, t- like, wh- you have to be tethered to this school for a reason. Mm. I don't necessarily, unless it's, like, somebody still working at, like, you know, owns the dot, right? Like, mm. somebody's the manager of the dot, or somebody is, like, running a record store that the kids go to. I wouldn't necessarily want to see a plot unless it goes back to Degrassi, because at the end of the day, it's called Degrassi. It's about students or faculty connected to the school. You don't, you don't want the thing they do when they can't get certain members of the sequel back for the second movie, but it's just like um, they couldn't get uh, Laura Dern back for the Jurassic Park sequel, so it's like her and Professor Grant like broke up. And, like, he's on the skids. Like, that, I agree with you, that always sucks. Yeah. Um, 
I would like a Avengers style build up to the last episode where just like some kids are like so okay, so you, like in my head there's a bunch of drama kids mm-hmm. and they're just going through some stuff and they're just like, Oh, look at this old guitar like that somebody left behind. Oh they look at the back and it's like Who's Craig? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, you know, they're going through a bunch of stuff and they find Joey's hat. Oh, my God. And, like, it's kind of like one of the older teachers is like, what? what is that? Where'd you find that? It's like, I don't know, it's a bunch of stuff. Like, like Tony Stark and Captain America's shield from the second Iron Man movie. Oh, my God. You know. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. Again, that's just how I feel. Like... I know other people may have different feelings. My other feeling is, like, a lot of these actors are still a bit too young to have it be one of their kids, unless it's, like, Mia's kid, right? Like. I mean, Degrassi is 7th through 12th. I don't know if they're going to go into middle school, but they could. I think it would be best if they went to the middle school. I think it would be, too, because, and... And this is kind of my concern. I have a couple concerns. And I don't mean this in, like, a bad way. I think these are just things that they're going to have to think about is, I think if they do middle school, it'll make them stand out from the other current teen dramas. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And would also keep it from becoming my main problem with, like, Riverdale is far too sexy. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's also the big thing I'm thinking about with, like, HBO Max and everything. So... For context about, again, I can't speak to the Riverdale uh, writing. I can. I can speak to the bull type um, because uh, Azopardi uh, did writing for the last season, the bull type, which I actually recently saw. Um, And like, so sexuality is obviously mentioned and discussed and done pretty uh, explicitly in that show. But the premise is is that those those main characters are like in their mid 20s so it's like appropriate right like it's okay that they're talking about sex it, it, they do it in a very um informative way which i actually really appreciate about the bull type i the parts that make me excited about this uh this person in particular is the fact that the parts that i really like about the bull type is is that they don't always do things subtly but they do try to bring up discussions regarding important topics i think some of the things that they did very well are the types of topics that i would like degrassi to approach like uh they did a very good handling of like miscarriage on the show that i thought was very well done um it also the bull type has one of the best like season series finales i've ever seen in the sense of like i i really enjoyed that a character that i thought really deserved deserve to get an ending that it looked like the other character was getting it they swipped it they swapped it and then that character got it and i was like super pleased about it um so there's like some form of awareness um the bull type did have this issue and this is also what gives me pause about these two working on it is is that um from my understanding they're both white women and the bull type did have an issue um and from my understanding the uh, azopardi was not a part of it at this time um but what happened was is that there's a black character cat um who she has this uh she like ends up having a relationship with like this very hateful conservative 
like, lesbian character. Um, and it's a bit unnerving because Kat, as a character, is always portrayed as very, uh, progressive. Um, and it felt very out of character from, like, a viewer perspective. And the actress also, like, came forward and said, like, hey, like, I was really uncomfortable and, like, upset about this and, like, I just want to be real with you guys, like, that's what was going on behind the scenes, like, I was also upset about it. Um, and they rectified it in the last season, they closed up the, the plotline, they dropped it, but it also brings up the big issue that I think happens in Degrassi and happens in many different things, where if the showrunners, if your producers, if your writers, if they're not white, or if they are white, it doesn't matter how diverse your actors are. Because are the people behind the camera and doing all the stuff behind the scenes, are they looking out for your people of color on the cast? Yeah. And hopefully as we get more information, there will be more people of color going on in the production and in the writing and all the other aspects of the show. But that is something that does give me a little bit of pause because I think that um, a big struggle with the bold type that we saw and i don't know how riverdale handles race i <sighs> but i would like to see this stuff done well especially because this was such a sort like such just like a fucking shit show with degrassi in the past oh oh just to um give you a uh, uh okay so To be fair to Riverdale, um, there are, th there's the band Josie and the Pussycats. Um, Classic. Yeah, you know, um, I think Josie and the Pussycats was multiracial in the original. In the Riverdale show, it's just three black women. Okay. And one of them, so there's this whole thing where Archie is dating one of them, um, and... Like, he's basically, like, Susie and, when Susie and I did this, did it for Teen Girl Talk, you can check out those episodes. Um, he does not pay attention to her for, like, a solid episode or two. And then, like, she's walking to school, and he's just like, hey, I'm just, you know, sorry I've been busy. Like, do you want to, like, you know, get, get something at Pop's, like, rave diner? Um... And she's like, you've been ignoring me for the last, like, four days. You can go fuck yourself, basically. Um, and just, like, completely shuts it down. Doesn't even break her stride. Past that, I think there's one other black character. of No, okay, excuse me. I, there's some others. But the main one is Tony Topaz, who was dating Cheryl Blossom, the, one of the best characters in fiction. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, Riverdale, like, I don't, I, I'm hoping the, the, the Riverdale writing stays at the CW, because I don't want Degrassi to become Riverdale. Yeah. Because, like, it's not just the fact that, you know, Pop's Diner, which is supposed to be, like, a classic 1950s diner, looks like it's lit, like it's the goddamn club. Like, it's, like... Nobody knows what's going on in Riverdale anymore. The actors don't know what's going on in Riverdale anymore. At this point, the last I heard, there was a five-episode, like, 
arc where they became a magic town called Rivervale. And unless they have some big convoluted... And they brought in Sabrina Spellman from the like the new dark, edgy Netflix Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Huh? The one who was like, I promised to Satan, but do I want to marry Satan? And I'm just like, well, that opens up a whole nest of questions. Like, do the Riverdale kids know that Satan is real? And like, well, you know... Um, it's just like... It exists in this nexus of weirdness and time where they have iPhones, but Archie looks like he's fighting in World War One when he joins the army. And at a certain point, he joins a prison fight, like, boxing ring. Um, at another point, um, Cheryl, like, burns down her parents' mansion because they killed... They were using their maple syrup empire to smuggle drugs. Like, I don't want hyper-reality. Like, Degrassi is a very... Mm, yeah, it, it's hyper-reality. Like, that, like, so many bad things happen to this one group of ten kids. But I I want, like, I want Degrassi to be grounded somewhat in the real world. It... it I know it's a lot of it's somewhat fantastical, but it needs to, like, at least have the sheen of realness. I feel like this opens up the euphoria question, then. Please. Which, I need I need the readers to know. Um, I am dressed as if I go to euphoria high right now. Uh, I am wearing a halter top and a cargo pant type, carpenter pant type nonsense that is high-waisted, and I put so much glitter on my face. And it was for this. Uh, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, but... Um, so Frank gave me homework before this episode. I did not give you homework. It you was, said you wanted to watch Euphoria. You said watch two episodes. I went, okay. Uh, and then I got... I kept watching. I still feel like you're blaming me for no, this. No, I'm not blaming you. I think this was a good good thing to do for this episode. This is the, I, this is the same day when... Dick, when when Degrassi, when Donnie and I went to a mall where there turned out there was still a Sun Coast. Yeah. And I went to one of the most disgusting mall bathrooms I've ever seen. Yeah. And then came out and shouted, I ate food here. Yeah, yeah. We are uh, capitalist tourists, as Frank declared us, which is true. We like to just go to malls and just kind of take it in. By the way, we were there at like the dead morning, like as soon as it opened up. <laughs> yeah, because they're still worried about COVID. Right. It was fascinating. It was a fascinating place. But, um, so, Frank gave me, I'm going to say homework, but I say that in the most positive way, uh, uh, watch at least two episodes of Euphoria before this episode. And, and let's be real, it's a show that currently looms large, whether it's because of the memes or because you're actively watching the show, it's something that is kind of all over the place right now. And I think it's a show that's worth watching within this because I think the real conversation is going to be how does Degrassi coexist on the same streaming platform as Euphoria? And I think um, that's going to be a bit of a challenge because I think, so I went into this and a lot of people, like a lot of people online, it, it was fascinating because for me, like I hadn't watched Euphoria yet and honestly I didn't really know very much about it uh, except for, and I hate saying it this way, I knew there were a lot of penises on the show. Uh, so... <laughs> Like, Honestly, I heard the opposite, and there were a lot of 
breasts on the show. There's more penises than breasts. Okay, that I'm into. <laughs> There's a lot of dicks. <laughs> like, my my big problem with Game of Thrones was the penis to like booby. Nope, excuse me. The penis to breast ratio. Where I'm like, show them dicks. Show them there's dicks. A, there's a lot of dicks on Euphoria, dude. Like, every episode. Like, different characters' dicks, too. Uh, but, but, um... So, but anyway, so there's a lot... Our in- intellectual, oh, deep look into Euphoria. So many dicks. <laughs> so many fucking dicks, bro. But, um... <laughs> but, uh, so, so my impression of the show, really, I really didn't know a ton about it. I knew that there were, there was, like, one to two trans characters on it. I knew it, it's focus character, um, has, like, her, a lot of her plot focuses on her, her, uh, relationship with addiction etc etc so kind of really basic um and a lot of people i saw a lot of people talk about it within the context of being like oh my god i have so much glitter on i can see it like in my (laughs) vision (laughs) but um uh i knew there was a lot of discussion of it being realistic or not and i saw a lot of discussion of um just like how it is allegedly very different from Degrassi and how Degrassi approached things, so I w- I was kind of curious to watch this as somebody who grew up watching Degrassi, as somebody who has a soft spot for teen drama, because I think ultimately teen drama. And Frank, you are the person who who's more well versed in teen media, and you can you can uh, tell me if if this thesis is a little wonky. But kind of my thesis is is that. Teen drama is functionally a spectrum in the sense of some shows are going to veer more toward the teen aspect of it, the teen experience and what it means to be a teenager and the coming of age piece of it and kind of like the, the important topics that teens should know about versus the drama, which is more of the entertainment piece, the aesthetic piece, the, you know, your, your queen bees are wearing designer clothing. Is that really how teenagers dress? No, but it looks fucking cool. And there, and I feel like there's this assumption that, like, in terms of teen drama, Degrassi is more on the teen part of the spectrum, and Euphoria is more on the drama part of the spectrum. I would definitely say Juniper. No. Juniper's in a box. Um, I would definitely say you're right. Um, though. With it, so I, you know what? I'd make it one of those Y yeah. axis Y X axis charts, where like those two points are on are on the X axis, mm-hmm. and then on the Y axis is are things hopeful or are things dreadful? I agree. Yes, 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 yes. I I agree. I think I think that's exactly what it is, and I think people would put Euphoria and Degrassi in different entirely different quadrants. Yes. I would argue after watching the first season. Now, keep in mind, the first season. I think both series have nearly identical strengths and weaknesses. Hmm. So, strengths of both. And I, I obviously, Euphoria is different, right? I think Euphoria has a very focused aesthetic. I think that it's a bit... I think if you... Like, there's a lot of discussion of how it's realistic, of whether or not it's realistic. And watching it after seeing that discussion online... I try to avoid any think pieces, so if people have already said this before, I'm sure I'll read the articles eventually. But 
as somebody who was just kind of seeing the chatter on social media and kind of avoiding reading anything until I watched it so I can form my own opinions, um, it's an unreliable narrator. Not even be, not even within the context of Rue is doing drugs for parts of it, but also just it it nails the way that teenagers are unreliable narrators in the sense of they love and live in hyperbole. Mm. There's a lot of just everything. The lighting is just perfect. Basil just knocked over my notes. Uh, so there's like this, like the lighting is perfect and the outfits are meticulous. And it's like, is a teenager going to be wearing a gauzy floor length robe with like a trans symbol embroidered on the back of it? Maybe, probably not, but it looks fucking cool when she's riding a bike. Like, it doesn't really matter if it's if it's something that a teenager would or would not wear. The point is, is that it invokes a certain feeling, and, and it's fucking cool. And when the emotions are in there, it's real and it's true. Um, I think that Euphoria and Degrassi both do an amazing job at the interpersonal and how messy the interpersonal can be. I think when they stay small scale, they do an amazing job, both series. Mm -hmm. When Degrassi is really only focused on a bunch of characters figuring shit out together, that's when it's great. Whether it's the Euchre crew, whether it's the bottle, like the bottle episode where they're like all in detention or just like some of those early season approaches to friendship. Um, that's when Degrassi shines, and that's also when Euphoria shines, because it looking, it's looking at, like, how relationships work together. I think both series do a great job there. I think both series get a little weak when the scope goes beyond the interpersonal. When we start getting into, like, a lot of the stuff with, um, at least in Euphoria, a lot of the stuff with, like, like, the crime aspects with, like, Nate and his various conniving plots to, like, clear his name in various legal ways. That's where the show kind of loses me, personally. Um, because I think it just gets so convoluted and confusing and, and just kind of, like, it feels like it's just two different shows at that point. Which I think is also the issue Degrassi runs into, where when people start get everybody starts having a chance to be famous and everyone has a chance of getting a major record deal and everyone has a chance of being a lead in a fucking jay and silent bob movie that's when the series loses itself again if these were focused in one like the larger scope from the jump it would be one thing but i think what makes these shows so compelling and so interesting is that they are more focused on and do shine during these smaller interpersonal moments. Yeah, kind of gonna add to that. That was very good. Thank you. Um, oh wait, the music is really fucking good in Euphoria, and I really hope if they're getting HBO Max money, that means the mu the music could be fucking good in Degrassi. Yes. That that's what I want because um, I fucking I mean I love music. We both love music on this podcast. Like obviously, like we're both we both care a lot about it um i thought the music use in euphoria is fucking incredible like even when they're using because there are like some fucking so like i knew i knew that the first episode of season two there was like a lot of music music drops in it and and um it was fucking wild it felt like a cohesive medley of music versus like just like sitting around going like oh my fucking god there were like eight songs in like five minutes like what the fuck <laughs> it was so fucking well done um it seems like i'm going to assume 
and I don't know a ton about production and I don't know a ton about copyright law, so I'm not going to like talk out of my ass, but I'm gonna hope that if this is through HBO Max, they're going to have better access to like and better connections to that kind of shit. Because I do think that some music in Degrassi is pretty good. I mean, they have fucking stars. Like, and even if we laugh about Taking Back Sunday now, at the time, that was a pretty major band to have on. So I would like to see more cool music usage and, and like, really, really use it in a way that, like, really resonates with how much music means to teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, like, one of the things, like, I want them to keep the song title episodes, mm-hmm. episode, you know, episode names. It's better than the fucking hashtags. Oh, God, those are next class. Next class did hashtags. It was really, really embarrassing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I feel like that that's another thing I really lo- that was kind of the thing I liked about Degrassi is it did like, I know it had all that like had some like major Canada money behind it mm-hmm. but like the fact that they used like you know used episode song titles for episode titles like it always did feel kind of like a DIY punk like teen show yeah you know like it was like the, a zine of a show. I like I like that kind of shit a lot. I like I like that because it also feels like it's part of the creative process cuz like how many people have written a thing and the title is a lyric or like a title of another song or something like that. Like that's such like a common writer thing that like I always really 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 enjoyed that. And yeah, it was like music is such a part of Degrassi. And I think that if they had more money, we would probably have more music, you know, more interesting needle drops on the show. Um, but I'm really hoping that's something that, that we can get more of, because, yeah, it just, it's just so good. Like, it's so fucking good to, like, that was, like, my big, that was, like, the big thing I took away from watching Euphoria. I was just, like, the fucking music's incredible. We talked about, like, what we're, not as like, dreading, but what we're a bit nervous about. What are we hopeful for? That's a really good question that I'd love to answer once Judy is not stepping on top of the shelf. Hang on. Hey, Junie. I think something I'm hopeful for is I'm hoping that they've learned a lesson from the past and do not do as much of a emphasis on social media that's easily antiquated. Because Mm. I think what really works for uh, Euphoria, sorry, this is fresh on my mind. I literally watched an entire season before (laughs) over this weekend, is there's tech. Tech is clearly there. And the music can arguably fall out of fashion, right? Because, like, genres change and and sound changes. But characters are just messaging each other. They say they're messaging each other. The only app that's really specifically mentioned is uh, Signal, so that characters could covertly, like, message each other without it being traced. Hmm. Um, But there's not an emphasis on what app they're really using. You can assume, like, if you look at an app, you can kind of figure out what they're using. There's, like a shot of tinder being used and things like that and like but it's not an emphasis on hey i saw your face page today like it's not like an entourage where they're like hey have you checked out myspace yet and you're like we are dating this show right right it's like i think that yeah fashion will always set something in a certain time and place music will always set something in a time or place 
But that doesn't make it a bad thing. I think that the tech gets very glaring. And I think that's when teens and, and adults watching these series get very turned off. Because it feels a little try-hard. Versus, like, I really appreciate what, what Euphoria is doing. Where it's like, yes, tech is there. We're not going to pretend it doesn't exist. Yes, these kids have phones. Yes, that they are messaging each other. But we're not going to get bogged down in the technicalities of it. We're going to talk about the real issue here, which is that regardless of what fucking site is being used, regardless of what app is being used, there are real issues going on regarding how people interact online. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about all the like horror movies, like in regards to technology, all the horror movies where it's just, like, this woman being like, there are ghosts in our house, and, like, the husband denying for, like, a solid three scenes, and then finally he just Googles ghosts? Or just, like, Bella Swan, like, Googling vampires? <laughs> right. Oh, my God, that fucking classic. Um, so, yeah, I fully agree with you on that. Like, I mean, you could have Degrassi past plot lines today. Like, the unfortunate Manny plot line that, mm -hmm. you know, nobody talks about. Um, and I think that would, and that brings me to something I want, which is male characters getting called out for their bullshit. Yes, yes, yes. Like, toxic male characters, I, I want toxic male characters being called out for their nonsense and actual good, you know, um, good, like, role model dude characters. And not, I don't mean just like, yeah, he's like the big man on campus. It's just like, no, this is a guy who's respectful of women's boundaries. And, like, he... I want David from Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the guy who's just like, hey, I know you're not in a place to date, but I'm still going to be here for you. I don't expect anything in return. I'm just yep. a good dude. Um, I want, if there is sex, I want there to be, you know consent shown and asked for um because like somebody was like bringing up the fact that like i saw, I saw somebody's tweet about the idea of beginner porn mm -hmm. or porn mm -hmm. for teens and just being like you know like not exactly like porn of teens but just like showing like people asking for consent and showing boundaries and whatnot so anyway yeah that's part of it um I want a group of of queer friends. Yeah. I I think I want to expand. I hope it's okay I'm not cutting off to you really on on this piece. I think the sexuality piece is what hopefully this series is going to do to set itself apart. Because I think that there are a lot of series that either A are just like really gratuitous with the sexuality and are just kind of like fucking whatever the actors are over are over 18 so we don't give a shit and then you have series like euphoria which really emphasize kind of the bad shit and and like they're not trying to glorify it but they're still not showing you positive relationships most of the time yeah there's but... like one two positive sexual moments in that show from season one that is minuscule compared to the amount 
and part of it is informative, right? Like, I think that there is a discussion to be had, but I think what Degrassi can do to set itself apart is to show and model some of these things. And it goes back to kind of the, the thing about Degrassi that makes it different, which is the fact that it is supposed to be a bit more informed than your average teen drama. Yeah. Which is why I don't want it to be Riverdale Pretty Little Liars, because, like, all those people were nightmares on Pretty Little Liars in Riverdale. Um, but, yeah, like... And, I, I, yeah, I want them to be just be kids on Degrassi. Yeah, like, I feel like that's the niche that they kind of... They have set for them if they if they choose to go in that direction. Because, again, it's like, there are definitely other shows out there. And I think if Degrassi tries to emulate them too much, it's just going to be more of the same. And I I don't think that's what they need to do. It, w- it would be the Doctor Who TV movie, where, like, the Doctor Who, like, the, the Doctor, a, a man of hope and, like, you know, peace and whatnot, lands in a bad part of town, steps out of his TARDIS... And, like, immediately get shot. Like, and that is just the end of the Seventh Doctor. And the, the Eighth Doctor shows up. And he, the, that's it for him. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Yeah, like, you don't need edgy Degrassi. You, like, you just need regular ass Degrassi. And I know there's a, po- like, there's, you know, probably a sect of our audience, or just a sect of most audiences in general, who would say, like, well, people being nice to each other is not drama. And I would hardly like disagree with that because like that is what ted lasso is ted lasso is nothing but like people who are hurt and have like are lashing out at one another but it's still like an overall want to be kind and just like figure their shit out together that makes that show so good like not to give too many spoilers for like there's a, there's a character who is trying to destroy the club, the soccer club, that Ted Lasso has been hired to run. And they come downstairs, like, they get found out, like, they come downstairs and admit to Ted what's going on. And they're like, you can call a press conference or, you know, quit, I fully understand. And he, he's just like, well, I forgive you. And, like, I know what you're going through and it's a tough time. And I'm just like, it's like, that was so refreshing and wonderful. And it would just be nice for, you know, like, teenagers to just have positive role models and that aren't, like, you know, adults. Or, like, or not even positive role models. Like, I just, like, being able to, like, oh, yeah, I see myself in that person. And, you know, and, and like you were said, saying, Donnie, I have watched a lot of teen media, and there's always the giant parties of just like oh there's a dj and it's catered for some reason and like there's all these other things and like i would feel just like you know i would not feel right if i saw those parties like well i've never been to a party like i as an adult i'm like i've never been to a party like that you know and just like it would just be nice to just have someone that does reflect the teenage experience i think um expanding out on on that i think that something that it's like i think having an overall message of kindness but also balancing like the fact that interpersonal relationships are incredibly messy yeah especially during high school it's like i i think like 
And I think this is where, like I said, how the weakness of Degrassi and Euphoria is, is that sometimes the scope gets way too fucking wide. It's like, you can keep that scope really tight. Like, the relationship between, in the case of Euphoria, the relationship between Jules and Rue is entirely compelling. And I could watch fucking seasons of that shit. It's interesting. And fraught and loving. And it's like so many different emotions and it's so many different things because that's just how teenagers have relationships. I feel like not enough enough teen media goes into how fucking bonkers teenage girls are toward each other. Even when it's like in a loving way, it is intense. And I say this as somebody who was raised as a teenage girl and had bonkers relationships with other girls. I mean, I would honestly say that's probably what one of the things that Pretty Little Liars gets gets right. That yeah. no matter how bad everything gets around the main f- four, then five girls like they're always ride or die for each other. Yeah. Um. So I think a hope that I have is because I think this is something that a lot of these shows are weak at. Degrassi is weak at this, Euphoria is weak at this, I think many teen dramas are weak at this. I would like to see a nuanced look at socioeconomic level and how that impacts Mm. the teen experience. Yeah. I think that there were attempts, I think every show has made an attempt. I think that there are times with Sean that Degrassi almost gets there, but they never quite get there. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's this inability to like really get out of and i think this is also the concern that i have with with this you know with who is going to be the writers where if it's just a bunch of fucking middle like you know middle class fuckos writing about the teen experience like white middle class fuckos then you're just gonna get parties that are fucking catered with the dj and bullshit like that like where Where's the where's the the teen parties for my youth, which was just like a bottle of Jack Daniels in a basement. Maybe there's some weed, and like you just guys all got drunk. You watched the Mummy Returns, and then the Mummy, and then you guys all went to sleep at like four in the morning. Oh God, I, I had that party too. I was <laughs> the hell. <laughs> yeah, because we come from a certain socioeconomic like area, uh, like level, you know, just like there was kids and. Across, keep going. Okay, there are kids from across my county that like you knew could afford the good drugs, like you know the cocaines and the heroines and whatnot. So, if I may, I would like to bring up another hope that I have, and um, I think the big hope that I have because I think this is a weakness in a lot of teen dramas is socioeconomic level. Okay. So I think that this is a weakness in because like i feel like the the critique that ends up happening is is that a lot of these shows tend to show a uh, very specific more affluent teen experience and when they do try to introduce characters who have lower socioeconomic levels it tends to fall a little flat like i feel like with degrassi this is a huge problem because it's like we have characters who a lot, like, a lot, at least next gen, like, we have a lot of characters who, like, have homes and have parents and have, like, pretty, even if they don't always, like, get along or there's obvious issues, it's, like, they, they have a roof over their head and they don't seem to be as, like, 
worried about money versus like Sean, where I think there's an attempt. I think there's an attempt with Sean, but I don't think it quite lands a lot of the time. What about Alex? Alex gets there too, but I think that it could be done better um, and more ingratiated into the plot and how having having like you know just like having those those differences in your life and how that's going to impact how you go about and exist in the world i feel like what ends up happening with socioeconomic level is it's only brought up when it's convenient to the plot Mm. versus you being fearful of like of your shelter and money and things like that tends to be something that kind of consumes you like it's something you're constantly thinking about um it's like uh, i know like a big thing that when um i talk with a lot of folks like folks that i know who didn't come from affluence are well aware of budgeting and money and how that shit works very young it's not something that they had the luxury to not think about because they had to be responsible for it just as much as their parents were. Um, and I think that that's something that we don't see as much of a nuanced attempt at. And I, let's be real, there's there's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of writing rooms have people who essentially had familial enough familial wealth that they could go into the arts, right? And like that's like a big issue that we see in in terms of this stuff. But I really hope to see it because I think this is a weakness in literally all of the series that we're talking about t- today. Because I think that's what also makes the difference between like the fucking party that is like with the fucking DJ and shit. It's like yeah, there's probably a rich kid who could probably do that in town. But it's like realistically speaking, a lot of parties, quote unquote, um, are just not like that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, they can still be debaucherous in their own way. They don't need a DJ and, like, cool lighting and shit. Yeah, like, you know, one of the things we look for on Teen Girl Talk is the, like, the realist, realism of the parties as a, you know, standard for the show. And, you know, there's, like, there was one we watched. I think it was Beverly Hills 90210. The, the, the remade Beverly Hills 90210. Doesn't it have a Degrassi actor on it? I think so. Isn't that Darcy's actress? Yes. Oh my god, what was... Sinead Grimes? Yeah, she was just in something we did, and I was I was just like, I know her. Um, uh, but, like, yeah, you're exactly right. She was in Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah, baby. Um, but... Like, we're friggin' Tilly and the Wall play. Like, like the Tilly and the Wall. <laughs> Did I say it weird? No, no, no. I'm saying, like, the band? Yeah. What the fuck? Um, she was just in something we did. I can't remember what. Um, but, oh, yeah, she was she was in Scream 4, which Susie talked about. when was we Was she really? Yeah, she played Trudy. Wow. Um, and I remember saying, like, no, she didn't cry. <laughs> she deserved better. Well, I mean, to be fair, this movie's huge. Right? Like, I, I wouldn't sneeze at having having a part, especially, like, let's be real, like, that's one of the better, better uh, post-Degrassi gigs. Yeah. For a lot of them. So, yeah, like, I, I fully agree with you. Better parties, better representation of socioeconomic level, just better representation of all the people who've just gotten the shaft over, like, the course of all the Degrassi we watched. 
Right, right. It's like, I think, I I agree in the sense of, like, Degrassi is something that I feel like will never fully die. But I think that for it to make me feel like it's worth having it alive again, it really needs to think very coherently and consciously about how it needs to shape and change to the needs of the audience today. I, th- I think you're hitting on kind of a central thing. is like there has to be a reason Degrassi is coming back. Exactly, exactly. But it can't just be like, well, we just wanted to make a teen show and slide Degrassi's label on it. Right. It has to have the spirit of the original. One of the big things I saw about the new Dexter season is just like, this doesn't need to exist. There's no part of the story that needed to be continued to be told of Dexter the Lumberjack. It's true. It's like, I think an issue in contemporary media is the idea of, like, we gotta keep fucking going. I think, like, things can and should end. They don't need sequels. They don't need prequels. They don't need full seer. Like, you know, uh, it can be a limited run. It can be a standalone movie. It can be... And I'm coming from somebody who likes comic books, which loves continuity and never killing things. But, like... Some things don't need to keep going. The yeah. narrative can end. And and at the same time, like, yes, I would like to see Degrassi have another shot because I want to see a version of Degrassi that is good and, like, is informed about um, what the fuck it's doing and, like, informed about, like, people and, and how they exist in the world. Um, but, yeah, like, it, they need to be bringing something new. Um... And hopefully we will see it. It's, again, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm going to definitely, for the sake of the podcast, but also for my own curiosity, keep an eye on any and all information that we get. Yeah. Uh, because it's like, I don't know how optimistic I am about two white women running this, but hopefully maybe they are white women who are aware of their privilege and know that they're going to need to diversify any and all other aspects of the show. I mean, honestly, as long as it, it, it can't be any worse than the two dudes we had who were just like dick jokes, dick jokes, dick fart jokes. Yeah, it's, yeah. Maybe hopefully we won't be haunted by that. But I, I am definitely curious. I mean, the thing about Degrassi as a vet like, I'm here no matter what. <laughs> like, I'm here. When it went on Netflix, I went, well, I'm watching all of it. What? <laughs> like... You were the Star Wars fan of Degrassi. Yeah. Where it's just like, I hate it. In a, certain, in a certain way, I hate it. But I will watch whatever the fuck they put out. Oh, anything and everything. Like, I'm I'm here forever. Because it's like... And, and a lot of... Is it a lot of it that... A lot of it is the nostalgia of, of what it was at one point for me. But another part of it is, like, I do want to believe that this is something. Because it's, like, there are still episodes and there are still concepts that Degrassi addressed that are still the ones that I would recommend. Like, it, it, there's still so many topics that they have approached with love and nuance and ultimately did a great job. And it's sad sometimes how that some of these episodes are, like, coming on 20 years old and still like better than anything that has come out since then but they there's some episodes that have done a damn good job with so many concepts so i really hope that that's the part that's the fire that they bring back i want to see them invoke like whisper to a scream and uh 
shout in episodes like that that are still like so important and still like do a damn good job god it would be great um, i'm gonna say it would be great to see Paige holding up a sign that says i can't believe i still have to protest this it's kind of what it feels like though but we'll see and i'm curious what the faculty piece is gonna be yeah as long as the as long as they don't go too hard into the faculty, like they did the first season of Degrassi. Right. Or in Gossip Girl, where, like, Gossip Girl is not Dan Humphreys, it's The Teachers, which is just a power dynamic, which... Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Also, Gossip Girl is also made by uh, HBO Max. Well, the oh. new one. Oh, the new one is? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Well, we'll see what, what, what we got going on, but... I mean, we're here. <laughs> yes. Um, <coughs> just some real quick rankings. Um, I'm going to give Dahlia and Basil A pluses. Juniper, you get a C minus. See me after class. You can do better. Um, She's been bouncing off the walls this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, recommendations? Recommendations. Um, honestly, I'd say... Take a look at the content warnings for Euphoria, but if you are a fan of Degrassi, I think it has more in common with Degrassi than you'd expect. Um, I did genuinely enjoy the first season. Again, there's a lot of content warnings you should really, really, really review before you engage with something like that, because it definitely can make someone... It could definitely trigger someone. Yeah. But... I do genuinely think it has a lot of merit, and if you're somebody who listens to this podcast, um, you probably are curious how different forms of media approach similar topics. Also, not for nothing, might be, like, has, did approach self-harm in a way that, like, was equally, like, respectful, mm. which is, is an honor that not very many shows have, so... Might be worth seeing if you're interested in some of the uh, some of the themes of Degrassi, but want to see a different show, do it a little differently. Again, also the music's fucking great. If you want to just listen to the soundtrack, like that's also a totally good use of your time. Like, it fucking incredible music. But um, I've been really enjoying that lately. Um, if you are interested, uh, Marvel Comics right now is doing the Devil's Reign event um, that I've been keeping track of. Where kingpin is the mayor of new york um but uh there's a one shot all about bucky it's devil's reign winter soldier which uh the art is gorgeous really fucking good art it's not every day we see bucky drawn well um but also it brings up some really cool stuff with memory and uh like just like some of the themes of like loss and autonomy that i feel like a lot of his comics don't quite nail sometimes. Like, this one actually mentions it, and it's a one-shot, so it's really easy to check out. The covers are gorgeous. Uh, so I've been enjoying that one as well. Um, I'm going to recommend the Super Sentai special Hero Mama League, which is about three older, they're, you know, Super Sentai warriors and Power Rangers for us Americans. Um, they're moms now, but they're still... Like, Power Rangers, basically. Fuck yeah. Um, and after, like, they go to drop off their kids at, in, at kindergarten, and the kindergarten teacher is just like, wow, all three of you kind of look tired, and all three of them are just, like, upset by this, and mm-hmm. then the le- rest of the 
episode of the rest of the special is them trying to figure out a perfect work-life balance. And the the reason I like Super Sentai, I think more than original, like the, the American Power Rangers version, is because they actually will discuss the tropes. Like, they were like, well, maybe if we... Maybe, because they're talking about, like, we need more time, just, like, for ourselves as well, you know? And um, one of them is saying, well, maybe we can just cut down the roll call. And, <laughs> like... They like they come like eat, three of them are sitting in a cafe. And they each go off to have a fight and put one of their one of their ideas into practice. It comes like, well, it didn't work out. Um, and like it's like I tried to interrupt the roll call, and like the leader is like, no, we have to say the whole thing so they know who's coming to kick their ass. Basically, <laughs> I'm just like into, I'm just into it. I just think it's really funny. Um, for books, honestly, I've been reading a lot of mech novels lately uh gear breakers iron widow and um uh human gods are three really good like just if you like mechs they're um um they're just really good uh especially iron widow which is just the tale of china's main sole uh female emperor but she drives a mech hell yeah i just look up who wrote that iron will by Zirin j zhao um and Gearbreakers is also very good so nice so um if you want to continue the conversation with us whether you want to give your own takes on this breaking news regarding the degrassi world or your own recommendations for teen dramas uh feel free to email us at ihopepod at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at ihopepod or you can join our facebook group at i hope i can make it through podcast um also as always we are always happy to have any ratings and reviews once we hit certain tiers we'll start giving you some bonus content so thank you very much to everybody who has already done so um but yeah, I know we're we're excited. We are looking forward to continuing uh continuing our usual stuff and uh we will continue to keep you updated with any news that we find out. Um but if you want to continue the conversation with me personally, your best bet is to follow me on Twitter at DM is unbreakable, uh where you can see whatever things have taken over my brain rot. Um but as always, just because I'm not specifically talking about Degrassi doesn't mean I don't want to talk about it. So feel free to uh, at me anything about Degrassi or Euphoria, because I would love to talk to people about that as well. Um, or if you want to see some cat pics, you can do that too. Um, I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk, uh, where we cover all kinds of teen media. Um, if you're listening to this... Uh, it was, it's my birthday week, and I, we decided to watch Tremors. Fabulous. Um, also, General, thank you so much, everybody who's been listening to the podcast. We really appreciate you. Also, thank you very much to, uh, Z, also known as Achilles underscore ebooks on Twitter for our fabulous updated podcast cover. Uh, and now that we've gotten all that onwards and upwards we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us until next week later bye